Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast, brought to you by Emory's Marketing Analytics Center. My name is Mike Lewis. I'm joined by Doug Battle. Doug, NBA playoffs, but it's too early. It's too early. Yeah, it. you know, they started. I love the NBA playoffs. It's exciting. I do feel like the play-in adds a little bit of excitement. Maybe didn't have the same buzz this year that it had in its inaugural season. But our teams are established. There's always like a game one upset or two where talking heads start getting all excited. And inevitably, the team with the 1-0 start is going to end up losing 4-1 in a series. So like you said, it's too early. But it's a great time of year for basketball. I'm missing Luka Doncic, Mike. It feels like the young golden boy of the NBA. Middle age now, right? (laughs) Well, middle age. I don't know about that. He's still pretty young. Four or five years in now? Four years yeah, in? four or five years in, but he started when he was like 17. But it feels wide open. Like it feels like I saw Phoenix lost game one, and that's a team I feel like, who knows, they could win the finals. Golden State's down one to the Kings. That's a team I could see in the finals. Both conferences looking across the board, it just seems like I don't really know who the favorite. I mean, Boston and Milwaukee, I think, in the East are probably the favorites. In the West, though... It feels so wide open, more so than previous years. And I think that's a good thing for the NBA. It'll be interesting to see, though, how the ratings fare. I will add this. The Lakers winning game one against the Grizzlies. I I actually like the Lakers in that series as a seven seed. I think the Lakers are a team that has underperformed for much of the season and much of LeBron's reign in Los Angeles. But when they're healthy, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, that's a pretty tough duo alone and i think their supporting cast is actually decent so memphis is a team that i feel may have overachieved in the regular season so we'll see that's a really interesting series and probably the one that's caught the most buzz in my world mike i think we're still in the the part of the ramp up where the narratives are being formed they're almost being tested out the lakers and the grizzlies i mean in some ways the lakers and memphis is the best narrative right it's john morant who you know, I mean, you mentioned Luka Doncic, and and we've always, the NBA players were always fixated on that, right? It's always Trey Young's breaking through. Luka Doncic's breaking through, right? John Morant's in that category. So I mean, with, of those guys, if you look yeah. at team success, John Morant is the guy this year yes. who is the guy. Okay. And, and in terms yeah. of marketing success, he is not, I mean, he might actually end up being the guy, right? <laughs> but 
I mean, if I'm just looking at this as the NBA brands, right? And like there's a Michael Jordan shoe movie right now, right? John Morant is the best story. It's the most interesting story in the first round for a bunch of reasons against against LeBron, the king of the NBA brands. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think you and I are both probably, I think you're a little more enthusiastic about it, but I think we're both on the same page. It's like, we got to let this whole thing marinate for a couple of games. And we got to see if the Boston crowd gets mad at Trey Young, right? If what kind of interesting things start to pop out here? Yeah, I'll say this. I'm talking about how even it feels across the board, talking about a seven seed Lakers potentially taking it to the two seed Grizzlies, the eight seed Heat beat the one seed Bucks in round one. The one series I feel really confident about if I'm a betting man is Nuggets Timberwolves. You got the least disciplined team in basketball <laughs> in Minnesota who, who recently had one player punch another player and another player in the same game break his hand for punching a wall, taking on Jokic, Jamal Murray, and the Nuggets, to me, they almost feel like what the Spurs used to be. They win a lot of basketball games and what's perceived as boring fashion. Lots of moving the ball. Jokic isn't exactly perceived as the flashy superstar, but they win a lot of basketball games, and that's a team I feel really good about in round one with their matchup against the Timberwolves. Nothing would make me happier. Like If I could have anything out of this NBA playoffs, it would be for Denver to go on a run. I would love to see ESPN have to spend every morning talking about the Joker, right? And have him actually get some national airtime. I think that would be tremendous because it is, look, it's a strange deal, right? Where the guy that keeps winning the MVP, frankly, is really far from being a household name. I mean, NBA fans know him, but he's not. Yeah, he does not get anywhere near the press or the ESPN coverage or the highlights. I mean, usually when they mention him, it's to attack him and say someone else should be the MVP, right? I'm pulling up an ESPN article where they're listing the 25 best players in the playoffs. Where do you think Jokic was, is ranked by ESPN on this? Like seven or something? He's fifth. Absurd. Fifth, yeah, it's absurdly it's low. Nothing would make me happier than to see him go on this deep run. And again, it would feel a little bit more legit. So it's, yeah. Okay, so Doug... I am now firmly on the page of rooting for the Denver Nuggets in the 2023 NBA playoffs. I love it. Yeah, I think Jamal Murray is a player who, in a lot of years, historically in the NBA, would have been the best point guard or one of the best point guards. But there are so many all-time great guards in the league right now that he's kind of forgotten. And you forget about it until crunch time comes for Denver. And more times than not, it feels like Jamal Murray is the guy who is making the difference at the end of games. I think one of the reasons people overlook Denver is because it's a big man dominated team, much like the 76ers in the East. And we talked about this in March Madness, Mike, where, you know, college basketball teams like Purdue dominate in the regular season with their post play. And for whatever reason, come March Madness, it's all about the guards. And it's felt that way in the NBA over recent years where Jokic wins MVP and the Nuggets are a one seed or a two seed. And come playoff time, a team like Portland with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum a couple years back knocks them out. Teams like the Warriors go on tears, really who haven't invested much in their bigs at all over the years in their dynasty run. It's felt so guard dominated. And this year, it feels like there's a chance Denver on one side with Jokic and Philadelphia on the other end 
with Joel Embiid, two MVP candidates. Dick Vitale out of the retirement home talking about aircraft carriers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we big man basketball might be back. I don't. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying there's a chance, and it's not flashy. I don't think the media would love that. I personally am all for it. I want to see Jokic versus Embiid in the finals. Yeah. Okay. So we've now got a rooting interest in this because I want to see that too. Well, this kind of yeah. throwback basketball, like the 19 early 1990s without the without the bruises. But yep. yeah, beautiful. Yep. Yeah, they call a lot more fouls now. It'd be a lot of and ones for Jokic and Embiid that would have not gotten that third point years back. Also, even if it had been called a foul years back, the bigs couldn't hit the free throws like Jokic and Joel Embiid can. So these guys can shoot from three. I mean, I think it's their time to be in center stage, bigs in the NBA. So that's what I'm following. But like you said, we're kind of waiting for the stories to unfold here in the NBA playoffs. Hey, but we've got a lot of stories unfolding Yes, because even though it's the NBA playoffs, it's still mostly about the NFL. Yeah, we've got stories unfolding like like we're in the middle of the NFL season. I think the NFL has almost hit the point of being like pro- professional wrestling. It's almost like the offseason is better than the actual matches. I mean, we had uh, the quarterback con- quarterback controversy, not really controversy, but Jalen Hurts with a massive extension, yes. the highest paid. I think they've listed now as he'll be the highest paid quarterback and the highest paid player in the NFL next year. But Doug, even beyond that, and we'll get back to the quarterbacks because they're always center stage, the sale of the Washington commanders. So Dan Snyder, (laughs) I mean, think about what happened. One of the true marquee brands, he takes it over, finds every incorrect free agent, drafts, wrong at the quarterback position every time fights digs in his heels on a naming controversy for seemingly decades then changes it then changes it again <laughs> and then walks away <laughs> i love it i will say if i'm dan snyder maybe i don't know what their valuation is or what it sold for but i imagine the valuation was higher before the two name changes I probably would have sold and gotten canceled just purely from a business standpoint a couple of years back. I think that would have been the smarter move than what he did. But to be fair, there's a lot of moves that weren't smart during his tenure as owner of the Washington Commander football team, R words. I want to write a Harvard business. I want to write a business school case about Dan Snyder's management of the Washington football franchise. Right. But it's. It would almost read as a parody, wouldn't it? I mean, literally nothing went right. And I'm not even saying it was all on him. I mean, I think clearly after all the fights and all the battles, it, it seemed like there was then endless NFL investigations. And remember the linkage, the leak of the Gruden's email? Oh, yeah. I mean, in addition to him falling all over himself, they were clearly trying to push him. Someone was clearly trying to push him down as well. Yeah, I don't think it's all on him, but I also think he is the common denominator of all their issues over the decades. And he's the one, that fan base hates that man. Uh, it, it's it's tempting to be the only person in America to defend Tan Snyder, but I can't even do it, Doug. Yeah, I don't know what comes next. It's not like... Getting a new owner in football, it's not like when Alabama hired Nick Saban as their head coach. It's like, oh, now they're going to be good. <laughs> now they're going to go on a tear. Like, yeah, NFL can be – there can be lots of changes before something happens. As a Giants fan, I've seen several general managers and head coaches post-Tom Coughlin era 
each one promising championships, promising new hope and fan base getting excited. And the bottom line is when you don't have a good roster, when you don't have a good salary cap situation, good draft pick situation, it takes a long time right. to turn the ship in Let's professional football. what Snyder did. If he had sold the team when it was still the Washington Redskins, then the new owner could have come in and said, we're going to drop that. We're going to become the Washington football team. Clean slate. Yeah. Snyder had to burden this new ownership group with two name changes before he left. Yeah, he, (laughs) He didn't leave them in a great position. I'm just, my point about that was simply in regards to, the brand value we've i imagine with your like fandom studies that the washington r words were ranking much higher than the washington commanders have been i know but here's the thing i think when you're buying a team in the nfl it's almost like you're buying the market right the Mm -hmm. nfl has all the revenue sharing and so you know they're going to get that tv deal money that more than covers the that more than covers the salary cap so then you start to dig into this and I mean, I just, it, it's such a, such an amazing market to buy into, right? I mean, you just think, would you rather own the Nashville franchise or the Jacksonville franchise or the Washington, D.C. franchise where, I mean, you can just imagine the sponsorship dollars or opportunities are off the charts, right? I mean, maybe there could be some more if the brand hadn't been damaged. It'd be interesting to look up how much Schneider, I mean, <laughs> what did Schneider pay for it? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Let me I don't, let me let me try and Google that because so you can yeah you can have the mic for a minute. Let me Google that. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm kind of curious if the new ownership comes in and says we don't like what they've done with the brand, and we actually have our own ideas. We're going to view all of this investment in marketing and branding as a sunk cost, and completely rebrand as the bombers or the <laughs> something else. And one other point about to your point about the market on one hand yes it's an enticing market but on the flip side mike okay in this day and age with controversy surrounding everything that happens in sports is there a more volatile place you could be and you could run a sports organization than washington dc is there any place any stadium where there are more lobbyists willing to spend enormous dollars on hospitality suites to entertain congress people than Washington. It's he paid 800 million a record price for a US sports franchise in 1999. Now, he was only part of the group, but I mean what a punchline to this whole story that he may have made 5.2 billion dollars after this epic run of management, this demonstration of management excellence. A masterclass, if you will. I want masterclass to get Dan Snyder to do a sports business masterclass. I will pay money to watch because you can learn exactly what not to do. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Okay. The other big news in the NFL relating to quarterbacks was the Jalen Hurts extension. It's interesting in that it was really in a, he becomes the highest paid quarterback in the NFL next year. The guaranteed money is not at the level of Deshaun Watson. There's a bit of a controversy because the the Ravens have apparently offered Lamar Jackson more guaranteed money than was out than was offered by Hertz. But it's interesting on a couple of levels. Hertz had a great season, but it's only one season. 
right? And he was doing it on a Super Bowl caliber team. Yep. And so in some ways, it's probably a little bit early to reset the market by resetting the market. And it's not clear what number these quarterbacks are looking at. They're looking at the guaranteed dollars. They're also looking at the total dollars. And so what does this mean for Joe Burrow, for Lamar Jackson? Again, every Justin one Herbert. of these things, yeah, every one of these signings makes things more interesting going forward. Yeah. I mean, I look back a couple of years. I remember Patrick Mahomes signing his big deal and feeling like, wow, that's a lot. I don't even know for him if I would lock in that much money and that much cap space for one player. And Patrick Mahomes is leading a team to a Super Bowl almost every year. Now, just a, maybe two, two, three years later, Mahomes deal looks pretty good. It looks pretty reasonable relative to the rest of the league. Deshaun Watson in front of him, Kyler Murray in front of him, Aaron Rodgers, aging Aaron Rodgers, disgruntled Aaron Rodgers in front of him, and now Jalen Hurts. And so this Jalen Hurts deal right now, it it feels kind of questionable. I don't know, maybe two, three years from now, he's like the seventh highest paid quarterback in the league, and he's on that same deal because you got guys like Herbert, you got guys like Joe Burrow. Who knows what happens with Lamar Jackson? I mean, that's the big story this offseason. And I think everyone's keeping their eye on that after this deal with Hertz. But uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence will be due for a big deal in a couple years. Uh, several of these guys were Jalen Hurts. He probably like over the course of this contract, even though right now he's the top guy, I wouldn't be surprised over the course of the contract if he's really like maybe the between fifth and 10th highest paid quarterback in the NFL, which feels a little more reasonable if you're an Eagles fan. No, I, I agree with that. It's this it's a market that's clearly flawed at this point where basically the highest paid guy is who's ever, who, whoever signed last. Yeah. Right. And there's, there seems to be so little difference between the, doesn't seem to be a lot of difference between a guy that commands $45 million a year and a guy that commands $50 million a year. Right. Right. So the market doesn't seem to be truly, well, I mean, Mahomes is 45 and Jalen hurts is 50 right now. Right. So. But I think also, I mean, be, I think Carr, some of these guys could like Carr step down a little bit, but I think at one point Derek Carr was one of the two or three highest paid quarterbacks in the league, right? And I mean, so, Dak, Dak Prescott's and, tied at seventh now with Daniel Jones and Matt Stafford, but those guys are, I mean, I believe Prescott was much higher at the time of his deal as well. Yeah. And that's only, I think, two years into the deal, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. The market is moving too fast and it's moving to it, – they're so fixated on this idea of these comparables that it's like – I mean, in some ways, it's the way the NFL teams or the NF, the whenever a team is sold, basically look at the last team sold, add a premium to it, and you end up with a market that just kind of spirals out of control. It, I mean, one of the guys who is now in the NFC is a guy named Baker Mayfield who is right. replacing a guy named – maybe replacing a guy named Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, I don't wh- – where did Tom Brady rank in terms of the top-paid quarterbacks? He never seemed to be sort of in that elite top two or three group. Brady's gone. They signed Baker Mayfield for $4 million for next year, Doug. Yeah, Tom Brady, I don't think he has to worry. That guy's an influencer at this point, killing the game on TikTok. And he's already inked – the biggest contract in broadcast history for whenever he starts broadcasting, he's going to make more money than he did as a football player, just like Tony Romo is. And so I'd love to see 
I know like Forbes, when they do the list of richest athletes, they have their salaries, but they also have their endorsement deals. And for NBA players, often the endorsements outweigh the salaries, guys like LeBron James for those top couple of players. I wonder how much Mahomes is making and a guy like Tom Brady is making relative to Kyler Murray or Sean Watson, Jalen Hurts, some of these guys who have more money in contract, but obviously they're not getting the advertising deals that Brady and Mahomes are getting. But Doug, Tom Brady's last four years were his highest paid years in the league. He made $23 million in 2019 for New England, then went up to 28.3 for the Bucs, 39.4 in 2021 for the Bucs, and then 30 million last year. So Brady's been a bargain his whole career. He truly has. I think that's part of the magic, though. I think the fact that the Patriots for so long were able to not invest, they were able to have a top quarterback without putting a third of their salary cap into a single player, allowed them to surround him with much better talent than what, let's say, a guy like Mahomes is going to have for the remainder of his career in Kansas City. Although he's had great talent and they've drafted very well in Kansas City. But the Patriots were never tied down to a bad deal or to even a good deal. I mean, any deal is a good deal with Tom Brady. If you're paying him $50 million, that's a good deal. It's Tom Brady's winning championships. But would he have been winning championships had they been paying him $50 million and had weaker offensive lines, weaker playmakers, weaker defenses? But it also illustrates how the quarterback market has gone awry. Right. Yes. You go yes. back and you look at Brady in 2013 and 2014. He was making, well, 12 million in 2012, 13 million in 2013. So you go back a decade ago, and now the salary market has gone up fourfold from there. Right. I, that's not what has happened to regular people's incomes. Right. <laughs> and that's not what's happened to the NFL salary cap. Right. So it's, we've seen these, whatever, these market forces really push everything to, towards these guys. And again, I mean, this is a larger point. I'm not convinced that this is the right... Look, Tom Brady deserves to get paid. So many of these record-setting quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, I don't know why I'm picking on him, Derek Carr, these guys do not deserve to get paid at those kind of elite levels, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think I the most interesting one to me is Daniel Jones because he's kind of the classic, well... We don't know that he wouldn't be great if he had great support, a great supporting cast, a great town around. He's had a really, he's been dealt a tough hand in New York for the entirety of his career thus far, and he's done an admirable job with what he's had. But has he earned top ten quarterback money? I don't know. And maybe his top ten very quickly becomes top twenty, and it feels a little bit more reasonable over the next two years or so. Yes, but Doug, he was smart. I mean, I, you know, here's another fun thing in all this market. I think these deals are going to get shorter, right? Because now you want to sign a lot of them, right? <laughs> the, this idea of like that, yeah. that Mahomes deal of I want to lock in my whole career. I want a 10 year, yeah. I'm make a half billion dollars living kind of fat. It's like, no, no. I want to make 250 it's, for the next three years. Then I want to make 350 for the three years after that, right? It's, and that's where, like, with Mahomes' 10-year deal, is he going to end up being, like, the 15th highest-paid quarterback in the league by the end of his deal? How – I think it's Because he's like, already at seven, right? Well, or he's, like, five or six. The be ugly or not is the key, I think. He's at five. So he went from one to five in, like, a year or two. 
And we've got, like I said, Joe Burrow. I don't know what Josh Allen's situation is as far as his deal, but he's the sixth highest paid quarterback in the league as well. So he's pretty uh, recent too, though. I think I think he was yeah. here too. I mean, that's def- definitely not his rookie contract. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I think the Mahomes deal, there's two sides to it. Like, from a risk management standpoint, Mahomes could have torn his Achilles on both legs the next season and, and been done forever and had all that guaranteed money for 10 years, which is crazy. Like, that's a crazy amount of commitment by Kansas City. But on the flip side, when you lock in something long-term and when you lock in something sooner, like Lamar Jackson, if he had signed two years ago and extended with the Ravens, he wouldn't have made as much money as he's going to make regardless of if he gets what he wants. He's It's still going to be better than what he would have gotten. And so players that roll the dice like that are going to win big. And we've yet to see anyone lose big. Imagine if Lamar Jackson had an RG3 type situation. That, that would certainly change the way these guys are approaching it. But I've seen, it seems like players are getting a little bit more willing to roll the dice and a little bit, I don't want to say greedy, but... They're being tactical and they're, they know what they're doing and they want the most money they can possibly get. Yeah. Well, in individual specific, right? I mean, and again, injuries are hard to predict because you go down the path of talking about like a Josh Allen versus a Tua, right? And then yeah. the strategy might be very different in terms of how many of these deals you want to get. But like I said, with the way these things are escalating, it's almost like you do have to increasingly roll the dice, right? Because mm-hmm keep making those guaranteed $120 million. Like they always talk about like the, you don't want to sign a contract uh, running back to a contract two. Maybe you don't want to sign quarterbacks to quant- contract three. I think some of that's going to disappear now, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it is going to be just three years, renegotiate three years, renegotiate. And like I said, I think we're going to see a billion. I think the first guy that earns a billion dollar in salaries is already in the league. I don't know who it is. It's probably Mahomes, but that guy's currently playing. Yeah, Mahomes, I think Burrow's going to have a shot before it's all said and done. I imagine Cincinnati's going <laughs> to be pretty aggressive with him. And so, and then that next year with Justin Herbert kind of knocking on the door. And I don't know that he's established himself to make that kind of prediction that he's going to make that kind of career money. But his next contract, I, I expect him to reset the market. But that's the thing. He could make that kind of money even if he doesn't have the success of those guys, right? Yeah. It's yeah. almost like you just have to have the promise and have the ne- that near level. It seems like the, I, I guess that's what I keeps coming back, keep coming back to. The premium for getting to the Super Bowl every other year and winning it often seems very small compared to that guy that gets you into the playoffs every year. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. so back to the AFC uh, NFC South. NFC South. Okay, so at the top of this division <laughs> The all-time great has, seems to have finally retired for good, now doing social media on the beach with his friends, playing football oddly, right? I don't know. Is Brady going to is Brady gonna join the TV booth next season, or is he going to take a little bit of time? I haven't heard any kind of discussion. I do think he's going to be phenomenal. From what I've seen, behind a microphone, the guy is natural. He's got, obviously he's got the looks for it. He is very savvy with his social media, particularly TikTok, which I think is a good sign for 
his career because he knows how to appeal to every generation. And he's a guy that I think a lot of people want to hate him because people pulled against him. People have retired him winning Super Bowls. And yet he's still kind of universally admired. Like he's universally pulled against outside of the like Patriots fans or Bucks fans. But he's universally admired. I actively disliked him from simply from being a Michigan quarterback. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Michigan fans disliked him too. So it's weird how he went from universally disliked by Michigan haters and Michigan fans to universally admired. And I think that's going to continue. If you're a pretty boy, you got to stick around for a long time. There's your marker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stick around for a while and find the fountain of youth. Okay. And win a Doug, bunch of rings. Tampa has replaced their $30 million Tom Brady quarterback with a $4 million Baker Mayfield. Is that, in fact, the opposite? I don't – I actually, I kind of like that move for the Bucs. Okay, what do you like I about th- Well, last year when Mayfield w- came into Los Angeles, season was pretty much over for the Rams. And he had like one week of practice, got thrown into playing, Stafford out with an injury, and played with a lot of heart. And when I saw his press conference after that game – that's a guy who I remember when he was at when he was at Oklahoma, Davin Bellamy at Georgia telling him, humble yourself, humble yourself. He was too cocky. He was too he needed to be humbled. And he seems like he has humility, but he still has confidence. He seems like he's grown up quite a bit and he's always been a gamer. He's he's never been one with like the crazy off the charts Anthony Richardson measurables. But he's a gamer. And so to take in kind of a refurbished quarterback, if you will, a guy who failed in a place where everyone failed and then kind of has bounced around and ends up on a $4 million contract, I think two years ago he would have been demanding a 30 or $40 million contract. And I don't hate it. If it doesn't work, you go draft another great quarterback. But as far as rehabilitation projects go at quarterback he's one of the ones i'm actually i'd be a lot more optimistic about him than guys in the past guys like josh rosen who by the way predicted he would win or set out to win more rings than tom brady yeah so i i don't hate that move in this quarterback market with i I would probably i mean you look at the diminishing performance between daniel jones and baker mayfield and is that worth 36 40 million dollars difference yeah well look a year i understand where you're coming from and i definitely have sympathy for the idea that you want to look if the last few years have taught us anything is that there's certain guys that do well with age at the quarterback position Mm -hmm. right and so is it that kind of maturity that kind of there's look there's certain traits that i think help you perform well as a young quarterback and different ones as a as an older quarterback is mayfield that guy i'm actually kind of in some ways, I'm kind of with you where it's probably worth it taking one of these guys that was like a top five pick and kind of bombs out because the physical tools are probably there. And so if it's a matter of coaching or game reps or just kind of growing into your 30s and that type of mental maturity issue, then you may as well do it. And at $4 million, that's, a, that's becoming a rounding error on these quarterback contracts. Now, yeah, that's, I mean, that's backup quarterback money. It's barely that, right? I mean, it's Mayfield had, I mean, four touchdowns, two interceptions for the, for Los Angeles. Like, but I mean, in some ways, it's hard for him to blame Mayfield, right? Because Cleveland 
doesn't seem to do well, right? That organization seems to create just endless havoc. And then the Panthers also don't seem to be particularly, they had Darnold and they had Mayfield on that team. And then they- I mean, Cam Newton fizzled out there. Yeah. I mean, they don't seem to have a plan or the stability that Bill Belichick brought to Tom Brady. So fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and Mayfield, another part of his story is he's an underdog. He's a walk-on at Oklahoma. He was overlooked. He, he backed up, he backed up different now NFL quarterbacks in college before getting his chance to play. And I think he's been written off before and I think that's where he thrives. And so I actually view a written off Baker Mayfield as more valuable than a coming out of college number one pick in the draft Heisman winning Baker Mayfield. And so I like it. I like it. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'm great with that. As far as if you're not going to have Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, or I almost would rather have a guy like Mayfield who's like low risk, but potentially high reward than to take on a player like many of these quarterbacks in the league where you know what you're getting and you're paying them like they're going to win you Super Bowls, even though you know they're not going to. And so I like that. I like that for Mayfield, and I like that for the Bucks. I think it's a good pair. Okay, well, he's cost-controlled. Yeah. He's come back to being cost-controlled. <clears throat> I think you could ask questions about – like I would ask questions about how well-liked he is in these locker rooms. Right. How is he viewed by his that's something we're never going to be able to observe from the outside. But the level of brashness, is that a positive in the locker room or is it a negative in the locker room? But but that's something that the executives know that we're never going to know. That gets us, of course, to the Carolina Panthers. Spectacular. Right. So they go out and they get Sam Darnold, who had fizzled out with the Jets. Then they go out and they get Baker Mayfield, who had fizzled out from the Browns. Browns. So they got a number overall number one pick on the team. I think Darnold was number three or number four. On top of that, then they draft. Who's the kid they drafted? Like a third round pick as well? Are you talking about Matt Corral? Yeah. Who gets hurt? I forgot about him. Right? I predicted before the season they would have three starting quarterbacks. And I thought Matt Corral was going to end up being the guy at the end of the season but and after that all that, put that down then they end up trading to the bears for the number one overall pick and seemingly from looking at all the mock drafts don't even know which one they want <laughs> right? i mean i have to think i saw today that bryce young canceled the rest of his pre-draft visits so i think he believes he's going number one which is probably telling I think Bryce Young's going to be their guy. I like CJ Stroud. I know for a while people, I mean, you're right. When they made that trade, it wasn't like they're trading for Bryce Young. It was like they want to have their pick of Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. But there was no indication as to whether any one of those guys, I heard rumors that, well, the general manager likes young but the owner likes Stroud and the coach likes the coach likes Richardson and so there might be some division within that Panthers ownership and management we'll see what happens I saw Bryce Young recently compared to Steph Curry on turf if he's Steph Curry on turf that's good news for Panthers fans it remains to be seen though and the Panthers gave up quite a bit for that pick including their top wide receiver and so not necessarily positioning a guy like young to come in and succeed but the one quarterback i if i'm a panthers fan i would not be excited about would be will levis and i don't think that's going to happen i think panthers fans 
would freak out. I think the whole sports world would lose their minds over that pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's fascinating. I saw, I've seen some mock drafts that have the first four players being selected as all quarterbacks at this point. That would, I think, involve at least a trade at the number three with the Arizona. I don't think Arizona's picking one, but it's. But but I agree with you. I mean, it seems like the way these mock drafts are going, that it's either Stroud or Bryce Young, and then Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, each either very high, each potentially top five picks, or maybe mm-hmm. falling all the way down to ten or twelve. If there is something going on here from a psychological standpoint. I do suspect that there's – and it kind of goes back to the way the salary market has gone, that there's so much emphasis on the quarterback position that so many dollars go into guys that might be capable of winning a Super Bowl. And the same thing I think happens with the draft where it's like you, there's probably no position where you're more likely to see someone reach. I think you, know, you mentioned Josh Rosen, right? Or is it Josh Rosen? Yeah, Josh Rosen. Yeah. And But, I mean, you can go back to just about every – well, with Sam Darnold, Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield. These guys do not seem to very often play out to be legitimate top five picks. So the idea that there's four of these guys with – I don't know. What did Will Levis do this year at Kentucky, right? How'd that season play out? I mean, okay. That'd be Florida. Hey, Anthony know. Richardson. <laughs> and we know that Florida didn't have a great season. Yeah. So, so these guys have not won. They didn't win at the college level. So, I mean, and again, this is no criticism of these gentlemen. But I think there's really this tendency to talk people into, well, we got to take a shot. We got to make a reach on these guys. And very often, that's where you end up hurting your franchise for a long time. Particularly when you have a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, the, the whole first round of the NFL draft is usually so loaded. I mean, there's future pro bowlers that get taken in later rounds. But you've got like a 75% chance of drafting a future Pro Bowler if you draft just the best available player at any given pick in the top 20. And so to reach for a guy who may not even be a starting caliber player in two years, it's quite you're giving up quite a lot for that player. It's not just, oh, it's just a draft pick. Like you're giving up, you're passing on the best wide receiver in the league in five years. And you're starting left tackle for the next decade. I just pulled up the CBS sports mock draft and they have Will Levis going to Tampa Bay at number 19. I love that idea. (laughs) Baker Mayfield. He's getting beat out. He's getting beat out by Mayfield. Yeah, we go from Tom Brady one year to Will Levis and Baker Mayfield. He's getting beat out by Mayfield in Tampa. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I got mixed feelings. I mean, Will Levis has become this... I don't know. What do the kids say, Doug? He's a meme at this point. They got video of the guy putting mayonnaise in his coffee, of eating the banana with the with peel. The peel. I, I don't know what this is. And I don't know. Is he doing this for Is he doing this for the camera? Is he doing this yeah. for social media? I mean, I think you got to look at that kind of stuff and kind of go, this is weird. Okay. So then you ask your, yourself the question of, is being weird a disqualification for being a guy that leads an NFL team to 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 greatness? I mean, are you a coffee drinker, Doug? On occasion. I'm you ever thought about putting mayonnaise in there? It's not something that's ever uh, crossed my mind. So it's almost like he's doing this as a goof. Okay, so it's like I, the guy's got a unique personality. Apparently, he's built like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of looks like Tim Tebow as far as his physique and 
Uh, he, I mean, I watched Will Levis in college a good bit. And first time I saw him, I was like, this kid's going to play in the NFL. He took it. That Georgia defense that just had their way with everyone, including Bryce Young in the national championship 2021 season. Will Levis was the only quarterback at the point in the season when he was playing Georgia that I saw give that defense a hard time. And I was like, who is this guy? And where where is he from? How is he projected in the NFL? Is he in the transfer portal next year? Because I'd love to have him on my team. So he did. It, he's not just a specimen. He had moments of, just like Anthony Richardson had his moments of just, wow, this guy's really got a lot of potential. And the thing with Levis is he's actually a very vocal guy. He's very, he has those kind of like traditional leadership capabilities where he's yelling at guys he's giving the speech he's fired up he's putting he's playing through injury like okay. he, so he's got some intangibles That's in addition to some tangibles but we don't know what he's yelling right yeah well we don't know and it doesn't matter when over the course you, you might have your moment where you look like a great quarterback i remember jacob easton throwing some balls and being like oh my gosh this guy is gonna be peyton manning based on one throw but when you look at the body of work over the course of his career and there's some major concerns with levis and so do you remember laramie tunsil i certainly remember laramie tunsil okay how could i forget Okay, and for those of you that don't remember, just as the NFL draft was going down, there's a picture of him in a gas mask inhaling marijuana. Is that fair? That's that's accurate. So it's like these things, and Tunsil has had a great career. I think he's been a Pro Bowl multiple times, and so he's definitely played out. And so I don't want to sort of gloss over the weirdness of Will Levis. Is being weird... Something that you, I mean, and so here's the, the like, Stetson I think you know, it's weird. He won national championships. At who, was, who was weird? Stetson, by all accounts. As weird as Levis, though? And so it's like, the I think so. Eccentric, quirky, and weird. <laughs> Rodrigo Blankenship, great kicker in Georgia. Okay. Of course, his NFL career hasn't been. But I, think, I think that's the danger, right? So it's like, you've got to figure out what this information means. And again, we're just looking at a couple of Instagram posts, so I don't know what it means. The kid might yeah, be fine, just a little bit strange, but the kid might be kind of batch something, right? Yeah, it, with Levis, it's like I don't. I personally, if my team takes him, I am not happy. I am. I'm pretty livid about it. But with that said, I can see where people are coming from when they say, "Well, Josh Allen wasn't a finished product. He was a big, physical guy with a big arm who had some leadership capabilities, but also had some." bad tendencies that he needed to be coached out of and paired with the right coach over the course of three, four years, developed into an elite quarterback. That's how somebody views Will Levis and sees the potential as well as Anthony Richardson. Okay. And I think both of those players are put in the same category because they're more or less viewed as developmental projects more so than Stroud, who won a lot of football games, Bryce Young, who won a lot of football games, who performed at both pick. of whom performed really well in the college football playoff on the biggest stage. At and pick so, three or four, right? Yeah. Development yeah. prospect at pick three. Okay. So moving along as we got to get through this, the New Orleans Saints. So the Saints have been active in the offseason, and they signed one of the guys we've talked a little bit about. So they brought in Derek Carr at a not – top of the market contract, but a healthy contract. And Carr is the guy I think of in terms of getting paid multiple times. Signed a big deal with the Raiders. That kind of fizzled out. I mean, I struggle with the fact that it seems like Carr kind of quit on that team at the end. But that seems to be okay with the NFL. 
interest from it seemed like the Jets and some multiple teams and getting about another $100 million and $90 million, I think, in guaranteed money. So the New Orleans Saints will come into the season with Jamez Winston and Derek. Well, Derek Carr is a starter and Winston is the backup. Decent? Disappointing? I, all I know is that Derek Carr needs to get an endorsement deal with Maybelline or someone who makes mascara. Because I, pro- I I don't know if I've ever seen the guy. I don't know if he actually wears mascara, but he definitely looks like he has on mascara at all times. And I think he thinks it's intimidating. Mascara is a word that you don't think about trying to spell until you do. <laughs> I don't know if it's just the way his eyes are, but... <laughs> he does that look all the time. Like he's in oh, the zone. God. Dude, it's it's like Blades of Glory. <laughs> when they came out in eye makeup. <laughs> he, I still don't know if, if he wears actual eyeliner, but I think he's got to. I, think, I don't know how your eyes look like that without it. So anyway, that's all beside the point. A quarterback that wears makeup and quits on his team. I don't know if I want that personally as my quarterback. But with that said, the Saints are a team that have jumped from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston and uh, like a handful of others. <laughs> and so I don't know that I, Teddy Bridgewater was QB one at one point and uh, they certainly haven't found their post Drew Brees solution. It's crazy. Cause a couple years back under Sean Payton, I would have said you could plug and play Carr in that Drew Brees offense and he'd do just as well. I mean, they were such a well-oiled machine, but at this point in Carr's career and this point, having seen that, maybe the system isn't so great that any quarterback just works in New Orleans <laughs> post or the organization or whatnot. And they've kind of reverted to pre-Drew Brees performance. And so I think he's going to do a mediocre job. And I think that's what everyone expects. Yeah, I'm sorry, Doug. I'm a little, yeah, I think that's how he's getting paid. I'm a little distracted looking at Derek Carr pictures and seeing some of the links that come up. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with some of the links. But there's some... Apparently, he's popular on Reddit as well. Okay, and at the bottom of that division, though, I think there's a three-way tie for, I mean, what a division. Eight and nine, and then I think three, seven, and ten teams. The Atlanta Falcons. I think the Falcons are staying put with Desmond Ritter as as their guy for the near term. I think we had speculated, and I think a lot of people had speculated that Lamar Jackson seems like a likely fit for uh, the Falcons. I don't know if that's kind of the legacy, kind of this cognitive bias of, well, Michael Vick was a great player for the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, right. But definitely. That felt like a match made in heaven, though, and it's not happening. Apparently, Falcons are not interested. And I mean, we understand why, of course, but financially, but it did just seem like that would be what the Falcons would do. And that would be where Lamar Jackson would go. It felt right. Well, and you think about it, I mean, again, sort of the complexity of building a team. And if that team had been built for largely a guy like Matt Ryan, standard dropback passer, then switching gears to a Lamar Jackson might be more of an overhaul than folks think. But, you know, I actually don't know. I'm kind of surprised that the Falcons haven't done more exploration in the quarterback market. Because when I think across the league, the Falcons aren't investing very much in that position. It's almost shocking how little they're investing in that 
position in terms of both draft picks and salaries. The Falcons are probably an outlier at this point relative to just about everyone else. So are they sort of looking at this multiple seasons, wanting to clear salary cap before they they dive in? Do they want to play the cost-controlled third-round quarterback pick card for a while, see how that plays out? It's, it's a little – it's different. So, I mean, it's, it's different. It's different in the NFL, but it's kind of consistent with one strategy we've talked about, which is if you know – the guys available in free agency aren't your guy long term that's going to win you Super Bowls. Cough, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, some of these guys we've mentioned already in this podcast. And you don't want to lock them into deals that are going to hinder you from paying the guy who is your guy. Maybe you do take a chance on a third round guy and figure, worst case scenario, he's like a poor man's Baker Mayfield. And now, then when your guy comes around, you got the number one pick and you got I'm money. I correct myself because they did go out and they signed Taylor Heineke. Who I really like, by the way. But it's kind of a forgettable. It's almost in the it's almost in the vein of going out and getting like who was the guy the Steelers got? The guy that played for the Bears. Trubisky. Trubisky. And again, I'm almost sort of my memory's not the best, but it's also kind of there's sort of this kind of forgettable categories of players. And I don't actually mean that to be insulting. I mean, forgettable in terms of how the fans think about it of like this guy that's not going particularly anywhere, kind of a place filler. Yeah. I think I actually really like Taylor Heineke plays with a lot of heart and I think he's the better quarterback this year for Atlanta between he and Ritter. I don't think either is, I think he's honestly, I could see him maybe having like, best case scenario with him is he's like a Kurt Warner story. Like he's got some of those intangibles that you look for. I mean, that's the best case scenario for Baker Mayfield right now too. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's a low percent chance of that happening, but would you rather have, I mean, I think there's a low percent chance that Derek Carr has that kind of career and he's demanding quite a bit more money, I assume. And so I don't hate that deal for Atlanta. I think they're probably going to go with like, low cost at quarterback and not make a heavy investment until they know if they got their shot at a Justin Herbert, I would imagine they go all in. If they got their shot at a Joe Burrow, which isn't going to happen, I imagine they go all in. And if they get a number one pick in the draft, I don't think there's going to be a quarterback controversy because I don't think they're going to have a Baker Mayfield or a Derek Carr on the roster in Atlanta. So I don't hate that strategy. And I mean, short term, it's no fun. There's nothing to really be excited about if you're a Falcons fan. I am curious this year, eighth pick in the draft right now. They might trade that, but eighth pick in the draft, you're looking at a situation where potentially if Will Levis or Anthony Richardson drops to eight, do they feel like, wow, this guy could have gone fourth or third. This is a value pick. I go ahead and bring in a third quarterback or do they, I kind of, for whatever reason, I could see them going with Jalen Carter. I could see him dropping to eight. I actually could see him dropping further than that. Out of uh, Georgia, just a value pick for a developmental prospect at the number eight <laughs> slot in the NFL draft, potentially bypassing the number one defender, a monstrous defensive tackle from the Nationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how I could see that happening. I could see that happening. I think Falcons fans would lose their minds with either of those quarterbacks because Falcons fans are Georgia fans mostly like for the most part there's a couple like Alabama but from I mean the majority of Falcons fans are Georgia football fans you can't say that the other way around but the majority of Falcons fans are Georgia football fans and they have watched their team crush Anthony Richardson and Will Levis over the last two years two three years they've seen moments from both but they've seen ultimately what happens 
<laughs> when they face a better opponent. And to so, the bottom line, how are you picking this division? Because this is an interesting division, and it was one eight and nine team, three seven and ten teams. Not a lot of separation. So the way you pick this division is all based on which of these guys you think is actually going to be the better, the best quarterback, or I guess the better sort of delta in terms of quarterback from what they had last year. I'm happy to go first if you want a second. Yeah, you got it first. I look at this and I got to go, even though I'm not a, well, I don't know how I feel about Derek Carr now, but because of the Maybelline deal, I think the Saints are probably the the team to pick looking at this division in terms of the strength of that quarterback room. And maybe they've done an upgrade from a minus one type quarterback to a plus one type quarterback, which gets them to nine and eight. I have to think the Buccaneers take a major step back. And again, we can root for Baker Mayfield, but a major step back from a plus two guy in Tom Brady to a minus two guy in Baker Mayfield. So I got the Buccaneers in last place. The Panthers, I don't know. This is sort of a complete roll of dice with this rookie quarterback coming in. And so the Panthers and the Falcons that kind of pick them at second and third in that division. That's a strange division, Doug. This is probably the hardest division to pick in football. Part of me is like Carr's the most known commodity at quarterback as far as you kind of predict how that's going to go. And you just go with the Saints because of that. Part of me is like the Panthers aren't a terrible team and they've had terrible quarterbacks. And so you plug in. Maybe they find lightning in the bottle like the Washington did in year one with RG3, whether it's CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, but also we've seen first-year quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, not perform at a high level in year one. Atlanta, another team, it's like they're decent everywhere, but quarterbacks kind of non-exciting. I could, like Heineke, if he starts for Atlanta, I could see them having some short-term success, kind of like how I view. I mean, I don't, I'm going to go with Tampa, Mike. I'm going to just say Tampa. You're the team you have going last. I have them going first, and that says all you need to know. I know I'm bucking the trend with analytics here on Baker Mayfield versus Tom Brady, but I just I think I was touched by his presser that one time, and I was like, he's a changed man. He's going to turn the corner. He's a good value. Tampa wins a weak division. I mean, look, I could look at it too and saying, you know what? If there's an ideal quarterback narrative – an ideal story. It is Baker Mayfield. The ranking of the quarterback stories is probably Baker Mayfield first with Tampa, whoever the Panthers select number two, Taylor Heineke, maybe tied for two or Desmond Ritter. So this plucky, plucky quarterback. I've got the Saints at winning the division, but that's probably the least interesting quarterback narrative. (laughs) It's if they win, it's going to be a boring, like, yeah, they're going to lose in the first or second round of the playoffs fashion. Like there's not going to be Super Bowl hype around the Saints with Derek Carr Um, for whatever reason, doesn't generate that level of excitement. Okay. We'll wrap it up here. So as always, well, a little bit more content. There's going to be a lot more content soon flooding into the website. We're about due for the NFL fandom rankings and the next generation survey stuff will start to trickle out as soon as Professor Lewis, myself, gets through with grading many projects. And you can find us online at www.fandomanalytics.com.